There we go. So thanks again, Helen, for being here. Really mm -hmm. appreciate you waking up early. So Helen is in Australia right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's 4, 4 a.m. over there. Um, let me just um, make a quick, uh, just give some context on how we met uh, Helen. And then we start to, to talk more about what you do. Mm -hmm. um, so as I mentioned in the intro, um, Helen is an RTT uh, therapist that stands for rapid transformational therapy. Um, Helen helped me out with something that I've been dealing with um, for, for quite a while. And um, when I visited you after the visit, I mean, things were, were very effective and I could say that I'm no longer struggling or dealing with the issue that I had. So I'm, I'm a big believer now in what you do, Helen, and I'm very grateful for, you know, for this opportunity that um, uh, I got to be one of your clients and, um, you know, this positive effect that uh, the session with you had on me. Um, so I wanna first start talking about your journey, uh, Helen. How did you get into RTT um, and just the world of therapy and healing to begin mm -hmm. with? Was it always a passion of yours when you were young or is something that came mm -hmm. up later in life? Um, well, I wanted to say thank you for um, your, your feedback. Um, so I've always been somebody who's liked helping people. And people have always naturally gravitated towards me and open up to me. Um, and then, uh, so I had a career of business where I was managing teams, leading change in organizations. And for anybody to go up that business ladder, they need to be effective at self-leadership. So I'd always been interested in personal development and I'd read a lot. It wasn't until I, I had a couple of roles where I was like, there's more to people than just what meets the eye. Not everyone can go on a training course and get the same outcome as somebody. Uh, and I felt like, especially when I moved to Dubai, that I was parenting people as I was managing them. Hmm. So, that, so that just kind of naturally led to, okay, well, why don't I try this? Why don't I try that? Um, I think, you know, I was going through a bit of a, a transition period in my life and I was like, well, what is it that I really want to do? Do I still want to work in, in retail and consumerism? Or do I really want to help people? And then that's kind of when the change happened for me. So a lot of clients will actually ask me, they say, how do you do what you do? And I said, well, essentially, I just went to different people and I found something that I thought was personally effective. And I was like, you know what, one time I'm going to do this. And the opportunity arose, so I did it. Okay. And, and how did you hear about RTT? Because it's not something that I hear about every day. So were you actively searching for, for something like RTT or you came across it by chance or how did that happen? I, I definitely wasn't actively searching. I think I just came across it. It was one of those things where, where the more that you research and the more meditations it is that you do, you come across different names and people and this just mm -hmm. must have popped up. Uh, what I did was I followed Marissa P for a while mm -hmm. and then I found a practitioner in Dubai. And then once uh, I had a, you know, a couple of sessions with her and some things shifted for me and it was like, okay, this is something that I want to do. I want to help people. I was really excited by the effect of the experience because it was like the first time my nervous system was calm. It's a different process to talk therapy. It's a very different process. Mm. And some people are at different stages. They need to talk, but other people are just like, just, just take whatever is frustrating me, blocking me, um, stopping me from living my life out of me, and then I can easily move forward. Mm. Right. So, so let, let's get into RTT itself. I mean, can mm. you describe what, is, what exactly is rapid transformational therapy? Yeah, it's a, it's a process that uses hypnosis <clears throat> and the process is quite specific in what it does. And in the two hour session, 
uh, what you'll find is that there's a combination of techniques. So you identify exactly what the problem is with the person. You get really clear on what it is that they want to resolve. You then regress them and you take them back to events um, that actually cause the problem. And when you begin to analyze and ask the right questions about those events, the person begins to realize that at the age the event occurred, there are some meanings and beliefs that they formed that are still showing up in their life today. So you essentially take the client on a journey of where the triggers originated from, and then you help them realize and disassociate from that so that they can kind of be free of those triggers. So when they go out to life, they normally go out and live life in a different way. And then they say, what life, what other problems life presents them? Right. Mm. Yeah. And um, one of the things I did notice in, in my session, first of all, was that it was two hours long which is uh, unlike uh, typical sessions that, I, that I've attended uh, with therapy that are typically one hour. And, and I know that sometimes you go up to three hours in, in some cases as well. So this was something new to me, but I can, I can see how effective that is. So I wanna just get, you know, dissect a little bit the, the process. So yeah. speaking of hypnosis first, um, something I've, I've wondered for a while, uh, because um, I'm a person that does meditation uh, very often. Is it the same state? So being in a state of med- like deep meditation and being under hypnosis, is it kind of the same? Yes, it is. Yeah. So when you're in a meditation, there are different levels that people can get themselves into. And it's all about the brainwave. And it all goes back to at a, at a particular age, especially from the ages of two to seven, your brain is quite open and everything that you observe in terms of patterns, dynamics and people's behaviours, you give a meaning to. And that's essentially how your subconscious mind um, stores this information in combination with your nervous system. So mm-hmm. people are always reacting. And meditation and hypnosis essentially do work on both the theta brainwave but um, the more, it depends on how uh, experienced the meditation practitioner is as to whether or not they go to that level. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The more experienced they are, the, the deeper they can go or yeah. you know, the easier for them to reach, to reach that level. Yeah. So, so that is the level where change is easier to or like releasing um old beliefs can can happen yeah okay um and and what kind of issues um does rtt work work on i mean what what are examples of things um that someone might uh, say okay i'm gonna try rtt for this type of issue yeah, it essentially works uh, with most problems, everything apart from psychosis and sometimes epilepsy. It, that's essentially how broad it can be, how broad the problems are that it can address. And when you think about a problem in general, problems are a combination of mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual or energetic. So when you think about mental and the emotional components, of any problem in your life, it all originates with a particular event and a lot of experiences uh, that consolidate and confirm that kind of belief. So if somebody goes around thinking, I'm really unlucky, chances are they're going to experience some physical symptoms around that, be it they get into an accident or something. That's how, you know, high level the pattern kind of works. Um, So most people will come to me with uh, depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, low confidence, uh, procrastination, um, saving money uh, around changing their attitude around money, relationships, food, weight, addiction. So it can help with a whole lot of things. And the success that the person uh, can experience depends on a lot of things. It depends on how, how aware they are, where they are in their journey. So, a lot of, so most of the time, a lot of people will come to me saying, I've tried everything and I'm like, okay, so let's try this. And what I find that I'm very effective in is closing the loops. So a lot of people will have a high level of self-awareness and they'll be like, I can't stop the problem. 
And I'm like, okay, we're going to stop it today. And we just continue to go through a process. And with, you know, maybe 20 to 30% of people, it can be one session because of all the work that they've done before. But for other people that have done a lot of work, the effectiveness of the work um, hasn't really set them up to be able to kind of get it done in the one session. Mm. Right. Now, I, I mean, people usually go to therapy when it comes to depression and anxiety, but when it comes to what you mentioned uh, related to money, people, it, therapy is not usually the first thing that comes to people's minds, right? They, they, yeah. They'll probably take a course on how to manage money or they'll read a book yeah. on how to get rich or something. Yeah. So it's interesting that you've mentioned beliefs on money. How, yeah. how does that work? How do beliefs from childhood impact um, us as adults and how we, how we make and manage money? Yeah, so it can go a couple of ways. So with something like money, even something like presenting and communicating, a certain level of that is around skill. So every problem, you know, maybe there's some baggage and I definitely help let the baggage and give you more insight into that. And then there's also an ability to be able to understand how to move forward and how to handle a situation. Hmm. So when people come to me around money, they'll say, well, I can't say, or I have it and I spend it all. And what you look at, you look at the specific problem around where is the leakage are they not getting enough in or not saving it and it comes back to if you've never seen your parents save money and if you've never kind of really spoken a lot about money that's going to result in you having certain path of behavior growing up so let's just say um, your parents were artists and they were struggling or the mother was stay at home and you get used to these volatile patterns of money and it come and it goes out. And typically people that have come to me with money have also maybe five or six other areas that they need to work on. So in terms of the beginning process is having a level of awareness and respecting money and not in like a, not in, in a way that we know it today in consumerism and I must have this and I must have that. I'm like, how many bad handbags do you really need? And I worked in luxury fashion and retail. So, right. so trust me, I've definitely like been through there. But some mm-hmm. people can be great savers and they don't know how to invest. Um, and, and it all comes back to because you were taught to save, 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 save. Mm. But you were never really taught to invest. And it's like when, when you begin to start focusing on, okay, that I need to develop a healthy relationship with everything around me, including people, including money, including all aspects of life and the environment and respect for, you know, respect for the environment as well. Um, And that's especially around consumerism. You can, it can help you pull back on spending and it can help you be more excited and motivated and about learning to Mm. to get the investment piece underway. So that's how it can help. Yeah. But, but some of these things, so something like money and something like weight and food, uh, it's an ongoing educational process mm. because what you're receiving is a lot of external messages around how you should be spending your money and how you should look. So these are some things that people need to understand. Sometimes, you know, you can get rid of the anxiety and the depression and the heavy weights that are cut out of people's systems and they can just go and live their life. Whereas something like uh, money and food, you're always getting external influences coming in. And depending upon how open you are as a human being, you need to decide, no, I don't believe that. Oh, yes, I do. (laughs) Right. So even uh, do you think as adults, these external messages still influence us even today? Yeah. It's it's not about age. It's about the brainwave. And, And it's all about being in that theta brainwave or even even just a more when you're relaxed and when you're in flow you're in a space where subliminal messages can get in and when you think about how many adverts it is that you're exposed to especially now on social media so you could be scrolling on the internet or on your instagram and an ad will pop up Mm. and if you're indifferent 
it's still in your system and there's a message in that ad that goes into your brain and you'll be like maybe you've not thought about food or chocolate Mm. and you've not had it for a month and then all of a sudden you see all these um posts on desserts and chocolate and you're like oh oh gosh I have this crazy this craving for for a dessert or a chocolate so so when you're when you're consuming content you need to be really mindful and say no 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 there's a level of discernment that you need and you always need to refocus and have a very strong mindset around what it is that you want in life because mm-hmm. you're always getting messages from people. It could just be the raise of an eyebrow at somebody saying, oh, you're not getting dessert. You'd be like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when some, let's let's stay with the example of, uh, of either money or, or, or weight. You mentioned that in RTT, we release a, a belief or more that we've had since childhood. But does it also install a new belief instead, like a, a more helpful belief? Or is it only the, the, the part about releasing? Yeah, so the releasing is the big part. And then also, I forgot to mention earlier on that there's a meditation that I record for you that's personalized around what it is that you want to achieve and what it is that you want to focus on. Mm. And that is something that's really important because if you've never had a mindset around money and you've never had a mindset around food, that's, that's a healthy relationship with both. What this, what the meditation does, it installs a healthy relationship. So Mm. if you never go around saying, you know, saving and investing is sexy you're never going to be motivated. And the easiest way to, to develop habits is to make them really exciting and to use these words that are very motivating for you. Mm. So everyone loves the word sexy. It's like saving is sexy, investing is oh, sexy. Wow. So, so I, I, I know I got the recording uh, from you and I'm going to get to the part about listening to the recording. Yeah. Um, so do you you customize the the recording for each uh client depending on what works for them what you feel works for them or is it yeah. like a stat oh so you do customize the the recording mm-hmm. okay every meditation yeah every meditate every client's different and every meditation is different and yeah. so i studied uh, neuro-linguistic programming mm. so language is the greatest way to communicate with people. And when you're on an audio track, if I use language that doesn't resonate with you, you're Mm. less inclined to listen to the meditation. And a great therapist will be able to develop rapport with you and use language that resonates with you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Uh, just to uh, explain this to the listeners and the viewers who, who, who don't know, so basically, after the, the RTT session, and this is also my experience, you gave me a recording to listen to, and you said, listen to this every day for the next, I don't know, one month, two months. I don't remember yeah. how long the period, but it should be daily. Yeah, one month like, here. <laughs> yeah. So it was a 15 or 20-minute recording mm-hmm. um, that is linked to the session that we had and the words you use inside this recording for the meditation, you kind of pick them up from the conversation that we were having during the session. So you can use words that, you know, you know, that words that I could relate to or that I could, you know, understand or work for me. Right. Yeah. That's, that's how it yeah. works. Yeah. And, and why is it important to listen to it every day? Every single day it's like a muscle that you're developing so Mm. when you weight train or when you exercise you could not have exercised for a period of six months and then you go and move your body every day for 30 days you'll gradually see the change in your body after a month's point in time so this is why it's really important because you essentially you're developing a habit and what most people don't understand it can take anywhere from 18 days to up to maybe 180 days to develop a new habit. And it depends on how complex the new habit is Mm. and whether or not you can anchor it into your system. So most people, 
uh, find that 20 to 30 days is enough for them to listen to the meditation and to instill uh, the next level of what it is that they want to achieve or to develop the, the skills of practicing better habits. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I remember that you also, now I just remembered, you also send the recording before the session as well. Yeah. Right? The, yeah. For some people I do. Yeah. Yeah. I do that. Sorry for uh, speaking of you, but I do that because sometimes the more rapport you can develop with someone beforehand, the easier the session is. Mm. So when you meet me, you have a visual experience and you have a sound and tone experience. And there's a level of understanding and compassion that you need to feel to be able to relax and want to actually choose me as a person to work with. Mm. So the more that I can do to develop the rapport upfront, then I will do that for that person. Everybody's different. Some people will just book in, they'll show up, um, I get people to fill in a form and they don't even fill a form in. And they're like, no, I just want to book with you. And I'm like, okay. Um, but then with other people, it is it is a bit of a process. And sometimes it might be, maybe they've had an experience with another practitioner that they've not liked. Mm. And they're like, well, how will you be different? And I'm like, well, look, let's talk for 30, 40 minutes. And then you can tell me what yeah. your, whether or not you think I understand your problem. Mm. and how I'm different to the other person in the approach yeah. and that's a, that's a decision for you to make yeah yeah I, the, the form to you know I I like it before the session because it helps it helped me self-reflect yeah. so even though I know what my issue was or the issue that I wanted to work with mm. um, it helps me reflect on other aspects as well that are surrounding it and maybe new things came up and and you notice now i corrected myself and this is something i learned from you helen because when i said my <laughs> when i said this is my issue yeah. and i remember the you know your your advice on uh, watching for the words that we use so instead of saying my issue or my mm-hmm. anger or my depression you say like the the issue that I'm working on or that I was working on so yeah. it's a way to reframe it uh, yeah. to, to disattach from it and that's something I, I learned from you yeah sorry I and forgot where I was going with this what, what was I what was I <laughs> what was I saying and what I forgot what my train of thought uh, was. We, we were talking about um developing rapport and oh yeah, medicine. yeah. yeah so the form, developing yeah. rapport so yeah. Yeah, that I think that is really an important step there. Um, and and one of the things I noticed during the session is you you use your intuition a lot, um, and 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 you have a strong sense of empathy because I remember that you kind of watch for the for specific words that I was saying when I was um, hypnotized. And you see which words trigger in you some kind of emotion that you feel or, or something like that. And then you can say, tell that this word that I said is linked to a, to a, to a memory or to a, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure how it works, but you, you know what I'm, I think you know what I'm referring to, right? Could you yeah. talk on that a little bit? Yeah. So, so when you go back to a memory and an event, um, with the process that we're talking about, we we look at it from different angles and perspectives. And it's my job to help you reflect and get the angle and perspective that works for you. Mm. So, and, and I'll draw on a set of skills that I had when I was in business. So a lot of the work that I was doing, it was about influencing people mm-hmm. to get to a specific outcome. And if the outcome and the objective is X, then I would have to work back and help them get to that same conclusion that I had Mm. to be able to move forward. And when you're leading people and coaching them, which was my style, you would always be working backwards. So when we have the session, 
you fill in the form, I help you get really clear on what it is that you want to achieve based on what you're filled in. So I know that that's where we need to get there at the end. When you go through the process of hypnosis, you go back to a series of events and I begin to help you link that to how it's stopping you from getting to the objective that you want. And, and in that process, if I hear your voice change or if I see an expression that changes, uh, there's always something subtle that happens. There's a cue, um, like for, you know, 95% of the time, it, it's quite a simple process for me to go, okay, this is what it is. And it's all just about seeing the pattern or knowing the pattern and finding the pattern and helping you identify that. And that's what I've done in business my entire life. That's what a lot of business is. It's just like pattern formations. And when you can apply that skill to therapy, um, I think that was just a natural instinct I've had for a really long time. You need yeah. to be, yeah. So keep in mind, two hours is a long time. And when you begin to kind of get an event here, an event there, an event there, and you tie them all together, you create like a really big spider's web of information that you're able to detach and pull out of that pure person's experience of life. And it just kind of frees everything up to reconsolidate for you to be able to move forward once you have the meditation mm. yeah yeah i mean what you mentioned about uh, business um not everybody has that skill um so <laughs> I, w- I wish i wish that was the case that were the case with with everybody working in the business world but but it's not yeah. and um i i feel like there was a spiritual element somehow to to the session. I don't know if it was only mine or this applies to all the sessions, but it was something that is beyond just basic psychology. I think there was something spiritual there. Um, I'm I'm not sure how to how to describe mm-hmm. it, but I but I sensed it, and it's something that you also uh, mentioned after the session that there were some signs that you that you saw that I'm sure you didn't pick this up from the business world. Um, <laughs> right. So how, where, where did, where does that come from? Is, is that your own unique, um, like a skill that you have, or is this something that is part of RTT? I mean, that, that the more subtle, the, mm. the more spiritual reading of, of the situation and of the person Mm. and and a lot of times this comes back to you so if you're a spiritual person Mm. the intake form I'll always ask people do they have a spiritual or religious belief Mm. Um, that that's something inherent in you when you have faith and when you work on yourself it's it can be easier to put things into context and I've always had religious and spiritual beliefs. And the more that I work on myself and develop my skills and understand my patterns of behavior, Mm. the more subtle the patterns that I can see in other people and and, Mm -hmm. and assist them. Uh, Essentially, when I first started out, it was a very logical and mental experience for me. Right. And, And coming back to business, like I always had great instincts in business, but in my personal life, I was like, oh my God, like really, like what, what is this? And it is tapping into those skills. And what happens is often when you're using your intuition, when you slow down enough, the words will come to you or the words come to me. Um, and I'll be like, oh, this is really strange. I was saying something like I have a framework of things that I check off that I do with every person. And when I create the space for it and the pace, the right words will come through for that person. Mm. And even sometimes I go to myself, why did I say that in the beginning of the session, especially because occasionally people will just go to a past life memory or, and I'll be, and I, and I will have set that up in the beginning going, I don't normally say this, but I get the feeling that maybe 
you know, if you do go to an event that is not you, it could be a past life. Mm. But it's very rare that people naturally do that. It's very, very rare. Right. Yeah, it's interesting what you said, how when you started the practice, it was more logical. And then over time, uh, you, you started to use your intuition more. Yeah. Is something still, do you feel like you're still developing new skills over time, working with more and more people? Or have you, you know, you feel like you, you got the hang of it and you, you know everything there is to be <laughs> to learn about this? Or are you still developing new, new skills and knowledge about people as you go? I, I, yeah, look, my goal is to help people in the least amount of time with the least amount of sessions. Mm. So when somebody comes to me, and they've indicated that they have five or six areas that are big problems for them. Like I get you to rate your problems as 10 out of 10. I mean, my goal would be to help that person in one session. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that's the level of focus and intensity and drive I have around perfecting what it is that I do. Yeah. So it, it could come down to, the right word at the right time for you to understand something. So it's more about how do I set the entire process up for you to get the best outcome? And that's a, re that's a reiterative process because everybody's different. Everyone's different. It's about, you know, do I need to change the intake form? Um, so that's something I'm toying around with because yeah. when you think about, um, you know, my background, it's consumerism and the client has a, and the customer, I refer to people as customers because essentially um, you're seeking to get a specific outcome. And at the end of the day, there's a journey for you. Mm. So in your customer journey or in your client journey, how do I refine that and optimize that at each level for you to get the best outcome and for me to work with the most people? Because there is a, there's, there's a global benefit for helping as many people as you can, because if I can help you, it's going to free you and all the people around you with the presenting problem it is that you had. Yes. And when and when when we get people who are mature and with influence, and they all improve an area of their life, there's a trickle down effect that helps everybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Same goes for for families. Same goes for. You know, any kind of relationships, friendships, work, managers. Yeah. yeah. If someone improves something, it, it's going to impact everybody around them. Yeah. So, uh, and, and this is, you know, I can confirm that, uh, you know, from my, my experience, which I don't mind sharing, mm -hmm. uh, that's why I'm talking about it. It, it only took one session. Um, and it was something that I've been working on for a year and a half prior to, to the session. So, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was absolutely, I mean, I'm still kind of mind blown till, till today <laughs> that, you know, all it took was one, two hours and a half to be, yeah. to be precise. Yeah. And um, whatever it was, it was, it's gone. Yeah. It's really, it's really gone. Yeah. So, so that's amazing. Um, one, one thing I want to also uh touch on is the the inner child part of the process mm -hmm. and um this is you know i've done some inner child work before and this kind of reminded me of it why why is it that this is also so effective uh, and and the, i mean the thing in common between all the inner child experiences that i've had is that i'm always asked to talk to the inner child you mm -hmm. know regardless whether they're five or seven years old however it was but it's I'm always asked to talk to that inner child mm -hmm. and tell them tell them things whether it's something they would like to hear or something that would comfort them why does that work it, it works but it's so strange why it actually works and does something yeah yeah what's your so, thoughts on this yeah my thoughts on this are the, the notion of inner child work, I, I, I did do some research on this and the label, the label came about, I believe, in the early 1900s. 
And I think the label of inner child work can potentially put some people off as it, as it did for me. If I was to break down the experience at every single age of your life, you have a set of experiences and that's stored in the brain and you have a primary response with your, with your fight or flight system. And that's attached to your nervous system. So every experience it is that you have in life, you go through a process where you saw, where you sort it, is it dangerous for me or is it healthy for me? And when it's dangerous for you, you store it and you go, okay, I must avoid this at all costs or this is normal to me. And this is where a lot of the inner, what, what is now labeled as inner child work is done. Mm. Um, whereas if you were to change the term inner child work, it would just be an experience and a memory. Mm. And when you go back to a lot of people's childhoods, generally the word that I use is, was your childhood confusing? And most people would kind of resonate with that. Mm. And a lot of the times people think that, oh, your childhood has to be really bad for you to have some sort of a problem. Mm. It doesn't. You could grow up in a beautiful family environment, but the minute you step outside of that door, you've not developed a level of resilience and negotiation that you need as a child to be able to play with other people who are a little bit more rough than you. Mm. And then you kind of go, okay, the outside world is not safe. So I'm going to stay inside all the time. So this is how subtle, this is how subtle an experience can be and it can impact you in a significant way later on in life. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've always noticed that I get very emotional every time I'm asked mm -hmm. to talk to the childhood version of myself. Mm -hmm. I, and I heard this is something common as well with, with many people. Mm -hmm. And my explanation is, and I don't know if this is true or not, it's just my theory, is that I'm kind of talking to a version of myself that is very innocent, that mm -hmm. was you know, before all the, whatever it is that happened um, to me, you know, over my, my, my lifetime and all the things that I've learned and experienced, it's a version before all of this that is so much more, I don't know if this is the right, much more pure. It kind of feels like it's a more pure version of, of, of me. Mm -hmm. and, and I think remembering this version at least makes me like really emotional when I, when I, when I interact with it. Mm. Is, is my, does my explanation make sense or is, it, is there another reason why this you know all, the, all these emotions come up when when we access that part of our memory yeah definitely so across the generations there's different levels of parenting and and essentially right now what children are experiencing is a lot of emotionally intelligent or there's a higher level of awareness of emotional intelligence in parenting yes. than there ever has been before. Yes. So essentially when you were a child, it would have been quite common for you to be told children should be seen and not heard. And essentially what happens is you begin to form a pattern or a belief that my needs don't matter. So I was quite a sensitive child growing up and I was always told are oh, you too sensitive like what are you crying for right. um so so and when when you're so so when emotion is an experience and all of your emotions are valid and when you're told from such a young age stop feeling uh you essentially stifle the entire experience of an emotion so mm -hmm. every emotion is a beginning a peak and end and when you're, you're ever experiencing the beginning to the peak of it, the end of it never happens and it gets trapped inside of your nervous system. That's how I explain it. Oh. Um, I don't have the science behind it. But, but essentially, so, so when somebody responds to you, and I think we've all been in this situation where you're at work and you speak to somebody and they're in a bad mood and they just snap at you mm. and, they, and they snap out of anger, and they go and they reflect on it and they go, that was a disproportionate amount of anger compared to what the actual event and situation was. Mm. And this is just the buildup of the emotion and the story that's never, 
been expressed in a healthy way. Yeah. So uh, can you can you repeat that when you said it peaks? So wait, mm -hmm. basically, if 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 uh, an emotion is not processed, mm -hmm. it can be it could peak, but it doesn't end because it you know as soon as it's felt, it's kind of suppressed yeah, it's instead suppressed, of yeah. processed till the end. Yeah, right? exactly. That's, that's what happens. Yeah, I think he, he's maybe a better example. Mm. So when you're laughing, what's that experience like for you? The experience of laughing? How, what is it yeah. like? Yeah, so yeah. something's funny. What's it like for you? It's, it's an experience of um, something that made me feel a, a, a specific type of joy that made me laugh yeah. and express that emotion until mm. I'm done laughing as it fades away. Mm -hmm. And then I'm back to the state I was before I started laughing. Yeah. And if you, if you started to just burst out in laughter at school and the teacher told you stop laughing. Right. Then I would, what did you, I would, you know try to squeeze it in uh, and then what would happen when you squeezed it in it's it either that you know uh, uh, parts of it are still gonna come out as, yeah. as you know it depends how funny the thing was that i'm trying to 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 suppress but i might still like laugh under my breath yeah um or in other cases if i'm a sensitive child and the teacher tells me like scolds me while laughing i'm gonna feel embarrassed mm. And I'm gonna just swallow it completely, and and you know, mm. halfway through. That's what and, I can and, when, and when you swallow it, then sometimes what happens is later on, you'll just erupt because it builds up on the inside. Mm. So, so if that's the process for any emotion, it doesn't matter if it's laughter or if it's anger. It's the same process that happens. Mm. It needs a complete expression or it needs an expression that's fast paced. Right. And the more, yeah, the more that you meditate. So what meditation does is, and what, what RTT does is, and the analysis, it, um, it provides more space between an event and a response. So typically there'll be an, an, an reaction, whereas what we focus on is as healthy adult, responding is appropriate in every situation there's no need and there's no reason for you to get triggered in life ever essentially unless it's you know a, a severely um, threatening situation right okay and and um helen just about about yourself now this question just came up um mm -hmm. now you're you're doing rtt as far as your your personal goals, is there another type of therapy that you're interested in exploring and learning about as well? Or do you see yourself um, continuing on the path of RTT and just kind of fine tuning and refining your, your practice? Or do you wanna integrate it with other things? You know, what are your, like, mm. what, what, what's your vision about, about yeah. that? Um, my, my, I have now. I'm now. I'm satisfied with the amount of experience that I have with RTT. Um, this tool, based on everything that I've experienced personally with regards to uh, talk therapy, energy work, this tool is it for me. It's one of the tools that I believe can address eighty-five percent of problems. There are some things that for certain people are spiritual and energetic work that they need to do. And that's not necessarily something that I want to get into. Um, so for me, it really is RTT and NLP. Like the language piece of NLP for me is such a big thing. Mm. And when I combine that with hypnosis, like that's really where the magic happens for me. Right. That, that's, that's what I'm really good at. And that's just what it is that I want to do. If yeah. I can get the process down to an hour and a half, then that would be amazing. Mm. I mean, it's essentially, the better I get at helping you get to the root cause of the problem and for you to have this major aha moment to be able to free you, 
that's essentially what I want to get to. Yeah, yeah. So, so the idea is just to um, be as good as possible to help as many people as possible in the fastest yeah. way. Yeah. Possible, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and there's, and there's no reason why we have to prolong any form of suffering or analysis. Yeah. And, and when you give yourself that permission. So a lot of people, a lot of people are attached to the identity of needing to heal themselves. Mm. And healing is a natural process. But when you think about the current trend, healing has become like a fad and it's become, you know, this mission in life. And you're mm. like, well, if you cut yourself, your body's naturally going to heal. Uh, I think maybe we've overcomplicated a lot of things mm. and you can get stuck in a journey. And sometimes it's just about just getting unstuck and changing the way that you look at things. Right. Right. Mm. So if somebody is not, I mean, this is something I've, I've uh, discussed with a friend of mine. Mm. If somebody doesn't have any clear issues okay i mean they seem to be yeah. going doing fine in life they're not they're not depressed they're not anxious they're just you know life is moving and and and, and you know things seem to be fine should someone dig for for try to find out what you know limiting beliefs they have and try to uncover old traumas or just let it go and if something comes up, they'll go for uh, for therapy. If not, just live your life and enjoy your life. I mean, should someone actively mm-hmm. look for something to to work on, or, or not? My personal view is that if if your life life is either going to test you, or your life will flow, hmm. and when life is flowing and you're growing and you're happy and you're joyful so so the main thing is is do you want to live a happy and joyful life most people would say yes yeah are you if you are living a happy and joyful life and you're satisfied and fulfilled with everything around you chances are you don't need a coach you don't need a therapist you don't need to talk to anybody Mm. and maybe you're living within your comfort zone if you begin to sense within you that there's more that it is that you want to achieve and you're not achieving it. Mm. And that's when I would suggest that you go to somebody. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to frame it. If, if, if your life is flowing either means that you're enjoying your life or you're in your comfort zone. Right. And if you're in comfort zone and you're happy with that and you don't plan on doing anything outside your comfort zone forever, yeah. Well, good for you, right? Good for you. But yeah. most of the time, life also pushes us out of our comfort zone, even if we want to stay in our comfort zone. Yeah. So usually at some point, something happens in life where now it's time for you to get to the next level, right? Mm-hmm. Like life pushes us out, out of our comfort zone to, to test yeah. us. It usually it, it, Yeah, it does. And so when I work with a lot of clients, like the, the workplace is a great way for you to understand who you interact well with, mm. how you handle um, a high pressure situation and coming back to, do you work in a dysfunctional environment? Because when you work in a, a dysfunctional environment, this will highlight a lot of triggers for you that it is potentially that you need to resolve. And when you find yourself reacting, um, there are some things that are probably within your nervous system and prior experiences in life that you need to work on. Mm. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, so work's always a great indicator of whether or not like, yeah. you know, are you able to ask for, for the money it is that you want because you know that you deserve it and you're worth it? Or have you been on the same pay grade for the past five years mm. and you've not pushed yourself? but yeah. you really want to be promoted, but people, other people are getting promoted over and around you. Yeah. If, it's not, if it's not a skill, then it really comes back to what's inside of me that's stopping me from doing this. Yeah. 
Yeah, work is a good example because um, when we're not working, we have more freedom to choose who we want to hang out with, the people that are around us and such. But in mm. work, you're faced with all types of people and characters and situations to deal with that are, you know, out of out of our comfort zone and out of what we usually do. Yeah, that's why a lot of challenges come up. I I, I agree. Mm-hmm. A lot of challenging situations come up where if you're not, if you have a limitation somewhere, it's going to mm-hmm. be difficult for you to to deal with with that. And then that's an opportunity for you to understand yourself better and see why is this challenging for me. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it's something that requires therapy for you to to grow past it. Yeah. Right. The, the- yeah, the white, and there's also there's always a level of skill involved with work, um, mm. and essentially, uh, where there's dysfunction, there's typically a lack of a win-win mindset in the organisation. Mm. So some organisations will speak about values, and they're not necessarily tethered towards them. It's more just a bit of a PR piece, mm. and what happens is, I think. You know, when when people speak about values, the inner child will go, yeah, here are the values. Um, and the inner child will also be disappointed when those values are not, are not adhered to. I just think that's part of human nature. It's like yeah. we want to believe, you know, in, in you know, these, these great things and values and purpose in life. Yeah. And when you see that not be, when, when businesses are not walking the talk and when human beings and therapists are not walking the talk, like it, it's quite transparent and it's obvious. Um, so that creates a, a, an environment and in the environment that it creates, it can create and trigger reactions from people yeah. that are not conducive to achieving a win-win outcome for everyone in the business. Yeah. Yeah. Including the client or the customer. Yeah. Or the shareholder. Like it, yeah. it's, it's a combination of everything. Yeah. And it could also happen at home. I mean, um, even for people that are not working, it, uh, there's often triggers from our our family our you know children can be can mm-hmm. be a a, tr- a trigger sometimes in in my experience as well mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. whatever it is and sometimes like the example that you said before sometimes the reaction is not proportionate to the incident that happens and that's when you know that okay there's something there i mean that mm-hmm. i i didn't need to react this way to 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 a situation mm-hmm. um you know, I, sometimes you only realize that later when you reflect on it. But yeah, so mm-hmm. it can happen at home as well. Um, Helen, I've, you know, I'm, I've been recommending you a lot to um, <laughs> many of my colleagues, friends, um, family uh, as well, because, you know, it, it, I had a very positive experience uh, working mm-hmm. with you. Um, so, you know, of course, when we published this uh, episode online we're gonna um include what would you like me to include i mean i i can include your instagram account yeah people can reach you people can reach you through through instagram yes how okay okay we'll, we'll we'll do that i'll do that and um usually helen in every episode before we wrap up we always like to ask the guest for any book that they've read whether recently or a long time ago that had a you know an impact on their life and um they would recommend it to Mm -hmm. you know to the audience to read whatever book it is okay anything comes to mind yeah definitely two books the first one it's called the untethered soul by michael singer okay i've I've read it i've read it at various times so I've probably read it four times now. And every time you read it, there's a different layer and level of interpretation. Yeah, it's available in audio formats as well. Yeah, um, it is. Because I know because it always pops up in my recommended um, recommended list for me to read, but I haven't yeah. gotten to it. Yeah, to yeah. it. So it's um, okay. Well, yeah. I've it down. And, and then the other um, book, yeah, the other book, um, the map of consciousness explained by David Hawkins. Oh. So he was, a, yeah, he was a psychiatrist who had a spiritual um, uh, awakening. Yeah, and he 
he had a very spiritual aspect to his work and he talks a lot about the emotions that you live in and, um, you know, essentially, and this is something I incorporate into everything that I do and when I speak to clients and even in their meditation, mm. if you can seek the truth in every experience it is you have and see the truth objectively, it will essentially help you detach from your stories and it, it will assist you in being more objective and living closer to understanding and joy. Yeah. So if you can, if you can accept the truth that between two people, there's always two different dynamics and not one person's hundred percent. Right. right. <laughs> then, then, then that's when, when change can begin to happen. It's really cool that uh, you mentioned uh, Dr. Hawkins and, and this book. We actually had a full episode about it, maybe three, four episodes ago. There is a there is a guy. His name is uh, Randy Randy Weitenheimer in the U.S. Who's a student of Dr. Hawkins um, for many years, and he was on the podcast. And we had an episode discussing the the map of consciousness, the different yeah. levels, and how to. Um, go from one level to the next and what each level means so yeah Yeah. that's a a fascinating fascinating topic for 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 me as well and uh, after reading this book I think the first book he wrote was power versus force where he explained what the levels are and it really made me see the world in a in a in a new light I started to looking looking Mm. at my own emotions, behaviors, and trying to understand what level of consciousness this is coming from. Yeah. So yeah, it just gives a lot of, brings a lot of clarity, understanding. So yeah. yeah. And, and every, and when you look at like that, that, the map of consciousness, as a child, you lack understanding and you form your basis of understanding and emotion based on, you know, most of the time up until the age of seven. And, and that continues to reiterate these patterns continue to reiterate into your life. Yeah. So as a man today, you'll have an experience that could trigger anger within you. And when you go back to, well, what's the truth? What are the facts in this? If I told 10 people, would they all verify that this was 100% certain? And then when you go to the facts, it gets you straight back up into understanding. And, and that's, I always try and bounce back everyone back to understanding from every single aspect, from every person in the situation. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, Helen, thank you very much uh, for, for coming on today. Again, I appreciate that, you know, that with the time zone and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, a last question. Do you, do you do RTT online as well? Does it work through Zoom? Yes, it do, does. You do sessions online. Yeah, I do. Okay. And some people that I've worked with have actually <clears throat> preferred Zoom and they've said the sessions are deeper. Because at really? the end of the day, yeah, you're in your own personal environment and there's mm-hmm. a level of um, relaxing that you would inherently have compared to, you know, coming to somebody's home or office. Right. Okay. So so basically the way it would work, would work was would we'd connect on Zoom and then I'd yeah. go to my own sofa. Yeah, I'll just listen to you and and have the whole experience from my home and you. Yeah, but you also need to observe the body language of the of the person, right? So yeah, like place the laptop, and you would look at the you would look at the client there, and as as long as I can see um, from your chest up, that's Mm. really all that I need to be able to work with you. Okay, I've had some sessions where um, the phone. the battery, the phone battery dies and it automatically cuts off the video, right? (laughs) So, so in those sessions, it's more of, I, when we do the hypnosis and the work that, that I do, it's an active form of hypnosis where you're speaking. So, so your level of relaxation will vary throughout the process. So Mm. let's just say you're angry or you're crying I will give you a couple of moments and I will get your body to go back to a deeper state of relaxation. Mm. So if there is no visual cue for me, then it really becomes about sound and about what change that I hear in the tone of your voice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a whole nother skill set to learn. I can imagine. Very it is. Cool. Yeah. 
<laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Helen. Really appreciate your time. And um, well, for those tuning in, hope you've enjoyed um, the episode. And thank you very much for tuning in Conscious Convos. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you and have a good day.